Welcome back to Intelligence Talks. I'm your host, Anna Ward, Senior Residential Analyst at Knight Frank. And today I'm joined by Sean Randall, Stamp Duty Guru and Tax Partner at Blick Rothenberg, and Tom Bill, Head of UK Residential Research at Knight Frank. And this episode, we're discussing how the housing market will fare without a stamp duty holiday. So welcome, Sean, and welcome, Tom. Morning, Anna. Good morning, Anna. Thanks for joining us this morning, both of you. Sean, the last time we had you on this podcast, it was, in fact, before the stamp duty holiday was announced. Um, So last year, of course, we saw a housing market freeze for seven weeks. Then that stamp duty cut came in in mid-July catalyze the housing market and boost confidence, as Rishi said, and indeed it did. We saw average house prices and mortgage borrowing hit record highs. And buyers have been paying no stamp duty on the first half a million pound per property price. That was between July and the end of June. And as of this week, the threshold fell back to 250,000 and will remain there until the 1st of October when it goes back to the normal rate of 125,000. So, Sean, just to bring you in here, this does feel like it's becoming a bit of a precedent in terms of dealing with economic crises and so on. Do you see this as a concern? Do you think the UK is too reliant on this tool of cutting stamp duty as, as a means of stimulating the economy? I'm not sure I'd go that far. So there may have been a stamp duty holiday before 2008. So what, mm-hmm. there have been two in you know, just over 10 years I don't think it's likely to be repeated. I think it's only likely to be used in case of an immediate threat to the economy and unemployment in particular. Yeah. It was used for the right reasons, I think. And Tom, I know you've got quite strong views on this yourself. I mean, just in terms of, you know, whether it was needed, whether it perhaps was in place for too long. We've been analysing this the entire year, so I'm sure you're very well placed to comment on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think I think it was the right thing to do. Obviously, as Sean said, at the, at the height of the pandemic, the Chancellor rightly sort of pulled the lever of stamp duty as a way of helping the wider economy. But I don't think the wider economy has needed that sort of help for a, for a good few months now. Everything's kind of pointing in a more positive direction. So I don't think you can criticise the government for, for bringing it in. It was extended, of course. There was a taper and an extension in, in the budget in March. Arguably, by that stage, the housing market was sort of on the road to recovery. Arguably, it wasn't perhaps needed to be quite as long, but it, you know, it, it came in, it's done its job, and actually now, I, I can't imagine the government for one moment would, would think about you know doing it again anytime soon because I think it's really overstayed its welcome. It's really, I think, distorting things now. It's got to the point where you know, buyer, you know, sellers are holding off listing because they want sort of things to calm down, mm. and it's producing this sort of bunching effect of, of transactions, not once, but three times. Yeah, I think, actually, I was speaking to some conveyances. Um, Sean very kindly put me in touch with one of them. And uh, he was mentioning that, obviously, you know, there are economic factors in place to encourage people to buy. So the fact that Brexit has become less of a threat, obviously, you've got low interest rates and so on. But, I mean, this appetite for a sort of saving while people have been sort of stuck in lockdown seems to have been a big driver. I mean, do you agree with that, Sean, just in terms of the kind of psychological effect this has had on the market seems to be quite a big one? Yeah, I think anecdotally, that's right. I mean, for transactions under two million, that seems absolutely right that people were really, you know, needing this stamp duty holiday. They were really counting on it and uh, it affected their decision about when or if, you know, to transact. For transactions over two million, well, logically, one would have thought that the saving wouldn't have mattered so much. But uh, I think emotionally, viscerally, as the housing market is and the process of buying a house is, uh, it seems to have mattered still, uh, believe it or not. So, you know, it has had a ripple effect up 
and affected seemingly the decisions of all buyers. I think I think that's absolutely right. Mm. One of the most surprising charts I saw this year was looking at transaction numbers in prime central London, which really spiked in March before falling back in April. And you'd think you wouldn't necessarily think, you know, a £15,000 saving is is such a big deal in, in those sorts of higher value markets. But it but it really has been. It's, it's, it's really set the tempo across all price bands. And do you think, Tom, just going forward, obviously what people will be probably pondering is, you know, are we in for a cooling of the housing market now that the holiday is ending, a price is set to fall? Is there going to be a significant price correction when, when the holiday ends and is tapered off? I think the first thing is that's going to be interesting is going to be the psychology of, of £2,500. Does, does that mm. move the market in quite the same way as the £15,000 saving did? I'm not sure it will. You're sort of into, you know, if you add together your conveyancing costs and your removal costs, you're sort of, you're sort of in the same ballpark. So I'm, I'm not anticipating it affecting the market in quite such a profound way as the £15,000. You know, it's becoming much more marginal. It will be a more of an important factor in, in lower value property markets. But I think what's going to happen is over the next three months, I think the market is going to take a bit of a pause for breath. Um, sellers who perhaps held off will start to reconsider their position, particularly if you know, you know fewer people are flying overseas on holiday. And I think what we'll see is is a sort of is a bit of a breather over the next few months before things calm down quite rightly towards the end of the year. And in terms of sort of going into next year, is it fair to say that the market will be slightly less extreme, I guess, that we'll see some return to normal seasonal patterns? I think it has to be. We'll probably see in the autumn, we'll get a pretty good sense of where the market's going. Mm. And I think it will be fairly strong, actually. A lot of frustrated demand that's still there. Mm. Uh, And into next year, again, we'll see the spring market will be a recognisable spring market, you know, barring any unforeseen circumstances. I think in terms of prices, things are inevitably going to have to calm down as well. We saw this week from the nationwide prices were, I think, 13% across the Mm -hmm. UK. That's not sustainable. I think things are going to have, you know, things will calm down as supply and demand come, come more into balance. And Sean, um, just from your perspective, just looking ahead to the autumn, uh, it seems that the government has basically sort of pretty firmly closed the door on any immediate stamp duty or capital gains tax reform. So are you sort of looking out for any property-related tax hikes in the budget coming up? I think most people were expecting this year's budget, the spring budget, to be fairly quiet, which it was. You know, it had to be steady as it goes. It wasn't the right time to bring in significant changes. Whether that's True, still in the autumn, probably less likely. So this will be the opportunity for the Chancellor to introduce some wider changes in terms of what those changes might look like. Who would discount the possibility of another stamp duty reform designed to achieve some kind of political end? Who would who would discount that given the, the frequency in which stamp duty has been used to achieve certain political goals over the last, what, five, six, seven years? And do you think there's any learnings the UK could make from what's going on overseas? I mean, it seems that we've had this very kind of shared global collective experience with this pandemic and a lot of things have been similar. But one thing that stands out is actually the UK is in quite a unique position. And it seems that the only sort of similar move made elsewhere seems to be in the state of Mumbai, who also made a stamp duty cut. But in terms of our more parallel neighbours, this is just not really something that they do. I mean, do you think that there are any kind of lessons we might learn from that? I'm not particularly surprised by that. It does seem a typically British thing to have introduced a stamp duty holiday for some reason. Perhaps it's just the extent to which housing is ingrained with the British electorates. I'm not sure that there are lessons to be learned necessarily from our our neighbours in terms of what they've done over the pandemic, in terms of fiscal measures. 
uh, or at least, you know, taking away some kind of indication that because other countries didn't introduce a stamp duty holiday, then ours or not to have done. Mm-hmm. Hindsight's wonderful. The last time we were on this podcast, Sean, you obviously t- talked a lot about the sort of pressure to recoup lost revenue and so on. And you mentioned that we're probably at the top end of what the housing market could sustain, given the multiple kind of further additional surcharges on second homes for overseas buyers and so on. So is there any wiggle room at all? What could Rishi Sunak look at doing if he wanted to make any further changes? Yeah, so from recollection, I think in terms of global cities, by way of comparison, we're probably right at the top end, as I recall, when I looked at some studies last in terms of acquisition costs. And that's offset to quite a large extent by lower ownership costs and disposal costs. So whether there's room at the end of the start of the process of buying, owning and selling a property, I'm not sure there is. I think we're right at the the top end. I think stamp duty probably doesn't have very much, if any, room to move. But in terms of ownership and disposal costs, those are probably the areas where he most likely ought to look at if one was being logical about it. I mean, there's one exception, which is um, possibly some kind of ratchet of increasing the surcharge for individuals buying additional dwellings and increasing Mm -hmm. that by reference to how many dwellings they own already. So perhaps at the moment it's 3% if someone owns one or more dwellings, but that 3% applies whether they own one other dwelling or 1,000 dwellings. So perhaps some kind of ratchet where the rate goes to 4% if they own two, 5% if they own three or more and, and so on. You know, that might be an interesting move, which I don't think is unique. I think in other jurisdictions, Commonwealth jurisdictions, there are examples of that system. And Tom, do you, I mean, you've obviously covered the market for so long and seen sort of multiple changes. Do you think that the housing market has will be able to withstand further changes like the ones that Sean has outlined on additional tax on multiple homes? I think the government is still going to use the property market to meet political ends. I don't think that's going to change. Actually, the interesting thing about this, all these stamp duty holidays is that is it sort of it depoliticised it for a while. It was purely an economic motive in order to help the wider economy. So that, that was a sort of a welcome change of approach from the government. But I think beyond that, absolutely the government will will have to recoup some of the, you know, some of the, the money that it spent over the course of the pandemic. Rishi Sunak seems to have stepped back from aligning capital gains tax and income tax, certainly in his what he said publicly so far to date. Stamp duty, I wonder, I wonder whether this experiment has sort of put the government off uh, touching stamp <laughs> duty for a while, whether it's just all been a bit too much of a roller coaster ride, or does it actually bring about some recognition that it could change and it could be made better? And the government for that, I just think it needs a bit of a bit of runway and a bit of time to to do that, to undertake or to be a quite a deep-seated change. There's such an inherent bias to kind of the status quo that I, I, I can't see it happening. So, Sean, just turning to another um, problem on the government's plate, uh, looking at the sort of net zero mission that the government now will need to turn to eventually, do you think that stamp duty could be used as a, an effective lever to encourage people to buy net zero homes? And how, how do you think that would work in practice? Well, there was a relief. God, let's put me on the spot in terms of understanding <laughs> or recalling when it was introduced. <laughs> no worries. Uh, I think it's gone. It's gone now. Uh, there, so there was a relief for carbon zero homes. It was a pretty niche sport. So I'm not sure I ever advised on it or saw a transaction where the relief applied. Why not? Why not introduce it? But I can't really see that's really going to make much difference, I think, in terms of the number of uh, net carbon or carbon zero homes being uh, made available on the market. Mm. And, you know, I can't 
I can't see that changing, unfortunately, too much, you know, very soon. Okay. And Sean, thanks. Thanks for joining us. So imagine the next time that you're back. I mean, who knows what Rishi will have in place. Almost worrying if you're back on our podcast because it means some dramatic event has occurred. <laughs> um, so, um, so yes, let's uh, let's hope things are perhaps a bit more stable going forward. Um, but thank you very much for for being here. Really appreciate you both joining me. Thank you, Anna. Thanks, Anna. For more analysis, you can subscribe to our research note, which goes out every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. See our show notes for more details. And please do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and listen out for our next episode in two weeks. Thank you for listening to this week's Intelligence Talks.